Hello everyone, welcome back to part 4 of our series on the book of Revelation. We're so glad you're here. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to share with you um, on Revelation 4 and 5. It's a beautiful portion of scripture that gives us a glimpse into heaven. And um, I think there's, there's Isaiah 6 and, and this portion that gives us a glimpse of what's going on in heaven. Not just now, but... Uh, in this uh, specific incident, it's on a specific occasion, what happened in heaven when we knew that Jesus was crucified on earth. So it's, it's, a, it's a view into the unseen world of the heaven, a glimpse into the throne room of God uh, that we can have, uh, where we can see what's the transaction and what happened in heaven when Jesus was crucified. In, and even after he was crucified. So we're going to do the second vision is uh, Revelation 4 and 5. And then we're going to do um, next week Revelation 6 and 7. So I'm going to first do the, the first scene almost and then, then the, the second part. So we read in, in Revelation 4. If you've missed the previous, almost I want to say episodes, the, the previous sermons, please go. And after this sermon, please go and listen to them because... The, the story sort of builds on one another um, and it's it's really important for us to have a, a good background and a setting of why this is taking place, why Jesus is revealing himself as a righteous judge um, and walking between the churches, um, warning them of judgment coming, asking them to cleanse themselves and then his judgment on, on, on the world. So we are in, in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, and uh, we see in the beginning it said, it says, after this I looked and beheld. After this meaning, after the first vision. The first vision was the vision of, of Jesus, the, the judge, uh, with, with the uniform of a judge coming to declare the righteous judgment of God on the earth, on the unbelievers, but also he starts at uh, the seven churches, the believers in modern day Turkey, and he walks through them, and he knows exactly what's going on in every single church, which is quite scary. He's know, he knows what's going on in our church. Uh, if you're from another church and listening to this, he knows exactly what's going on in your church because he's the head of the church. It's his church. It's his property. It's his people. And um, the leaders that's in the churches and the people that's in the churches are only there to steward what God wants to do through his church in these communities. So... Um, Oh, yeah, we see, the, we see the following scene as John. So what's happening here is uh, there's a door in heaven open for John and Jesus with a trumpet like voice calls him into heaven and say to him, I've opened the door for you. Go in and see what must take place next. And then we see John walking through this door. It says in the spirit, um, in his vision, he walks through this door and then he sees the following he sees first of all a throne in the middle um, of the scene and on the throne um, God is seated so we see that that God is also the king but also the righteous judge seated on the throne he's not anxious he's not worried he's not running around thinking everything is falling apart um, but he is totally in control and he is in authority um, the judge of, of the earth and also the king seated, sovereign and in charge. And then we see a, um, a description that there is a light around the throne of God. And it's a white light, but there's also three different um, colors that, it, that portrays certain parts of the character of God. Now, this is 
quite difficult to actually pronounce these things in English, so please just bear with me. I have grace on me. Um, but each stone or emerald actually describes something about God, which is beautiful. And it's, it's something that, that builds on what we saw in the first part of Revelation. So uh, the three stones or the three colors around the throne of God is first the, the, is Jasper, the appearance of Jasper, which is a white crystal-like um, color, which represents the presence of God, but also His holiness, His, His complete holiness. Then the second one is, is Cornelian. Cornelian is a stone which is it's red, it's fiery red, and it speaks about God's righteousness and also His judgment on everything that's, that's not holy. The, everything that's unholy and then the last one it says he sees a, a rainbow the, the Afrikaans says um, there's a it's a um, the Afrikaans word is the the stone is a smarach okay I don't know what that is in English I'm not even going to try to to translate that but smarach is it's a it's a greenish color and it represents um, God's grace because the, this rainbow it's a greenish kind of rainbow it represents God's grace we see this when um, in the life of Noah, that God, after his judgment, gives us the promise of the rainbow. It's a new hope. It, it reflects his mercy. And it also says that he is very gracious. So, so the, the colors around the throne of God is, first of all, white crystal color, clear. It speaks of God's holiness, his purity. And the second one is red. It speaks of his, um, his, his righteousness, that he will um, judge everything that's unholy. And the last one is the rainbow that's, that's greenish, that speaks of His grace, that He's a gracious God, and that there's hope and mercy for us around the throne of God and in the, the presence of God. And then we see um, next to the throne or around the throne, there's, there's smaller thrones which elders are seated 24 elders are seated on these thrones and um, they are wearing white which represents that they are righteous it's the clothes of righteousness and they've got crowns on which which jesus gave to them they are righteous they've got authority they've got honor and they are seated they are in relationship with god um, ephesians i think it's chapter 2 says that we are seated with christ in heavenly places we actually see this in this um, in this um, sort of episode we see that we are seated with Christ in the presence of God on thrones and usually I thought uh, in the past I thought that you know I should get one of these 24 places before the throne of God because it must be the most important Christians and but it's not because the 24 is again the letter um, symbolism that we see in the book of Revelation and it represents the 12 it, it, it consists 24 consists out of 12 and 12 so the first 12 is the 12 um, tribes of Israel in the Old Testament so it represents all the saints in the Old Testament that were saved because Hebrews 11 and 12 says if they believe that the Messiah will come they will be saved so they had this hope and anticipation that there's a Messiah coming that um, that made them saved, that gave them a, a born-again sort of experience, and they are seated with us in Christ, in heavenly places, before God, in His, in His throne room. And then the other 12 is the 12 apostles, which speaks of all the saints in the New Testament. So we see the 24 elders on, throne, on the thrones around the throne of God, which represents all the saints from the Old Testament, 
to the New Testament. Every single one is in front of God, is in the midst. Uh, they are in the midst of His presence. And this is, this is a, a picture of the throne room, but it represents exactly the same picture in the first vision that John saw when he saw Jesus walking around between the seven uh, churches. So this is exactly the same. We are in the presence of God, seated with Him, with authority, with white clothes, in our righteousness that He clothed us with all the saints around the throne of God. Um, then we see thunder um, coming from the throne of God. I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's quite, quite um, something to see. Uh, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, was as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. So first of all, we see uh, flashes of lightning and rumblings. We also see this in Exodus 19, when God gives the law to Moses. He calls them up the mountain, and we see the, a cloud um, around the mountain, and we see lightning, voices, we see fire. It's quite a frightening sight, because... God is saying that I will judge everyone that's not, that doesn't hold up to this law, that doesn't obey the law. And we see this again. This is, this is symbols of God's judgment on all the unrighteousness and unholiness on earth. Okay, so voices of thunder, flashes of lightning, rumblings. Um, and then before the throne were the burning seven torches of fire. That's the seven, um, the seven churches. It's the, it's the ministry of Jesus. It's the, it represents His presence on earth, that He's there. He's, he's, um, you know, His ministry is there also around the throne of God. And the seven spirits of God, which says the, the fullness of God, the, the complete spirit of God. So this is, this is a, a picture also of the Trinity. Because we see in verse 1, we see the voice of Jesus calling John, a thunder-like voice, calling John up into heaven. And then we see in verse 3, we see the Father on the throne in His holiness. And then verse 5, we see that the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits of God is also there. So the, the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is there present in this throne room of God. And then we see the sea of glass surrounding the throne, which is like a crystal. The sea of glass, there's a lot of theories about the sea of glass, but um, the one that we are going with is that this, the, the sea of glass is what separated God in His holiness from the world. So it's, it's sort of a divider. Um, and God is holy and is righteous and the people um, is on, are on earth and they are not in the presence of God. Because further in, down in, in Revelation, we see in chapter 21, we see that um, that glass, sea of glass, is, is, the, is removed. Why? Because it's removed because of the presence of Jesus, the work of Jesus. He removed every division from between God and man. He took it upon himself. He removed it so we have access to God, which is great news. Okay, so that sea of glass is almost like this is the holy place and that's where everything happens. The people are and everything happened and we cannot get to God. But then in the sacrifice of Christ, we see that he took away the sea of glass and we have access into God's throne room. We read that also when Paul says to the, um, to, I think it's to the um, Ephesians or Philippians, he says in, in one of the epistles, he says, 
boldly enter the throne of grace. He is, he's telling the believers, you should run into God's presence. Why? Because we have access because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And this is um, a picture of what happened in heaven while crucifixion um, took place. Okay, so, so we see that. Um, and then we see these four living creatures, the weirdest. I think if you see these things in the night, you will run away. Okay, they've got eyes everywhere, six wings, and they are flying around the throne and they are worshipping. The many eyes on, the, on, on, on their wings and on their bodies represents the insight and wisdom that they have into the things of God. Okay, this is quite important. So they've got a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom. They are around the throne of God, these four creatures, and they are worshipping. And the song that they are sing, singing is, I'm, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The same song we see in Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever these creatures starts to worship, the 24 elders bow before their thrones, they take their crowns, they put it before God and they join the song and they sing the following. They sing, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Worthy are you. You will see in chapter 13, we see the song sung by um, unbelievers is we are worthy. Worthy is us. While this song says, worthy are you, the, the song of the earth, of the unbelievers, the people not following Jesus is, we are worthy. And I'm just so scared that this song of the unbelievers will come into the church because we see that a lot. We see a lot that, that people think that the gospel, they are the centerpiece of the gospel. That's so important. Their calling, their identity, their purpose. And I know those things are important. And I'm also one for struggling through these things. But we need to remember that the, 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 the centerpiece of creation and the gospel is not us. It's the lamb on the throne of God. And you will see this now. It's not us. It's not about us. We are not here for us. God isn't serving us. We are serving Him. And it's such, such a subtle way where where that, that, that comes in, that thinking comes into our midst, where, where in a sense the gospel and everything that we do, our relationship with Jesus is actually Him serving us. It's not, our song is not you are worthy, but we're saying we are worthy. And we want to know this, and we want to be wealthy, and we want no sickness, and we want this to go good with us, and that to happen to us. We want our husband and our wife, and it's good things to pray for godly desires. I know that. But we shouldn't be the centerpiece of our attention. Jesus should be. Okay, so, so the whole of heaven is worshipping. And they're still worshipping. Those of us that's, that, that doesn't like worship, <laughs> you're going to worship forever, for eternity. And you're going to worship with these living creatures. These 24 elders represents us. We're going to be seated on thrones before God in His presence. And we're going to say this. We're going to say, you are worthy. And, and this life... Is preparation for the next so so we should start to worship <laughs> and we should have a song in our heart and a song in our lips that Jesus you are worthy God you're worthy it's not about us this life is not about us it's not about my wants and my needs and my desires and my rights this is not a democracy it's a kingdom and we serve a king we seated on the throne 
And I think which was, uh, I think that it was so nice for the believers to hear this because they were thinking, listen, everything is falling apart. Dumashihanas is persecuting us. We're losing our lives. We're losing our families. We can't work. Everything is falling apart. But, but they had so much um, comfort in the fact that they could see God on the throne. God on the throne, still in control. I want to read to you Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says something frightening. Um, it says the following. It says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against, against His anointed one. This is still true today. People, people um, conspire against God and against His kingdom and against Jesus. Let us burst the bonds apart and cast away the cords from us. And then it says something about God. This is, this is amazing. I want you to catch this um, or, or, or to really believe this because it's in Scripture. We see this Psalm 2 verse 4. He says, He who sits in the heavens laugh. The, Lord's, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I want you to focus on that first part of verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. So while people are plotting against God and against his kingdom, which is true for these believers in 95 after Christ, they, the, 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 the Roman government are killing them complotting against them, against the kingdom, against the, the gospel being spread, the story of Jesus being told. And this Caesar is asking the people, you should worship me. And they're saying, no, we're not going to worship you. And because of that, they pay the price. Um, and God is not anxious. He's seated on the throne and he's actually laughing at everyone, all the arrogant people thinking that, that we are gods. Because that's, that's the great sin. They think that they are gods and they should be worshipped. And um, Dumashianus took it to another level, okay? But when we are not in the kingdom, we actually also believe that. When we're not serving Jesus, we think that we're a God unto ourselves. And sometimes that creeps into while we're actually serving Jesus as well. We are not God. We're not in control. We can't sit in heaven laughing about the plans of everyone plotting against them. All these arrogant people thinking that they can be gods and they can make the decisions and they can rule and regulate. They can't. The, the throne of God is above the throne of Dumashianus and he is ultimately in control, totally in control, sovereign, with authority, and um, he will judge everything that's unholy and unrighteous in his sight. Then we see in, in chapter 5, um, we see that God has got a, a scroll in his hand, in his right hand, his hand, the hand of authority, the hand of function, the hand of might, the hand of power. And this scroll is written on it, um, on the scroll and the behind, behind the scroll, everywhere there's inscriptions on. And the scroll contains the plans of God for humans. It's very important. The plans of God for humans. But this scroll cannot be read because it's closed. It's sealed with seven seals, meaning it's completely sealed. So think about that movies where, where you, the, the captain of the ship took the, the family um, sort of stamp and put it in the wax and then put it on and that that sealed the letter. There's seven seals on this letter 
and it's completely sealed. No one can open it. It cannot be read. But the content of the scroll is so important because it's God's plan for humanity, for the, for the people, for, for, for us. But no one can read it. And then one of the elders in heaven asked this question, who is there who is worthy to open the scroll? And it says that they searched for someone who is worthy, not someone who is strong enough, not someone who is good enough, not someone that can overpower God, but someone that is worthy, who is worthy to open the scroll. And they searched in heaven. There was no one because there couldn't be anyone in heaven because it should be a person. It should be someone, a human being. It couldn't be an angel um, or some of the, the, the creatures flying around the throne. It should, have, it should be a person. Uh, they searched on earth. There was no one worthy. Why not no one worthy on earth or even under the earth? Because there was no one without sin. The, the, the one that opens the scroll took it from God and they can only take it from God if they are without sin, but also human. Human and without sin. Why? Why do God use a human? Because everything he's doing on earth, he does through human beings. It, 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 that's the way God works. So the scroll was like a title deed, like a property deed that you register property in. Um, and what happened, if, if we go back into scripture, is in Genesis, God gave this, this, um, this deed over to Adam and said, you should inhabit the earth, have power over the earth, um, you know, work the earth, live in it, multiply. Um, and, and we see that Adam, because of his disobedience, he gave that the, the deed, he gave the authority of the earth over to Satan. That's why in Luke 4, when, when, when Satan tempts Jesus, he says to him in Luke 4, he says to him, you should bow down and worship me and I will give you authority over all the kingdoms of the earth. Why could he do that? Because he had the authority. He had, this, he had the authority because Adam gave it to him. And now this authority... It, it, it's, it's in God's hand. This title deed from, for earth and the dominion of earth and the power and the authority over earth is in the hand of God, in His right hand. And there's no one worthy to open this deed. And then one of the elders says, um, oh no, what we see before this elders say it, we see that John starts to weep, to mourn. Now, now mourning is ugly weeping. Okay, it's like, it's like, it's, it's tears everywhere. And it's where people, they, they um, almost, they go on the floor and they, they tantrum. Okay, I, I want you to picture a two-year-old. John weeps, he mourns. Why? Because the plans of God for people cannot be, um, cannot, cannot be revealed because there's no one that can, can open the this, this scroll. And he mourns. And I want you to remember that John saw some very devastating things um, in the book of Revelation. And nowhere else... Is he crying or weeping? This is the only place where John weeps. Why is that? Because it's so important for us to know what's on the scroll, for the plans of God to be revealed to his people, because otherwise we're, 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 we're lost. And he says there's no one, and John is crying, there's no one in the earth, there's no one under the earth, there's no one in heaven, no one worthy to open the scroll. And then one of the elders says to John, you should stop crying. We have found one. Um, that is worthy. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. He can open the scroll and its seven seals. So, so John 
he has this, these words. He's on the floor, on the ground, weeping. He hears these words, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he turns around and what he sees is not a lion. He, see, he sees a lamb in the middle of the throne of God, but this lamb is slain. So, so he, was, he was expecting a lion, but he sees a lamb. I don't know who of you have seen little lambs or maybe been on a farm when it's um, that time of the year where we see a lot of lamb. It, there's, there's, there's not a lot of things that's more weak, weaker than a lamb. It's, it's really a weak animal. And, and the, the lamb is the lion of God. It's the way of the lamb, which is the power of God, which is the lion. But he sees the lamb. The way of God is different than the way of the world. The way of God is that we should lay down our lives to, to, to have new life. That we should not fight, we should not conquer, we should not devastate, but that we should lay down our lives. And in that way, Jesus laid down his life and John sees this lamb slain in the middle of the throne of God. And I think it was like, what? Is this the one that will open this scroll? No one worthy could be found, but a, sla a slain lamb is the one that can open this scroll. And then it's a, it's a, I want to read you a few, a few uh, scriptures. Um, 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 to 6. Just to, maybe I can read to you, let's read Ephesians 1 verse, verse 20 to 23. It says that, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. This is the heavenly places that we're speaking about now. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That is the place of Jesus, that he is above all ruler and authority and every name. He is, he is the name above every other name. And then um, Hebrews 2 verse 17 also say again, it says again, it says, Therefore, um, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. It should have been a human. It was a human. He was like his brothers in every respect, fully man. We know that Jesus was fully man and fully God. It's, this is why it's so important that he was fully man. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That is why he was made a man, so that he can make propitiation for the sins of the people. He could make a sacrifice for us on our behalf. He is a, a substitute in our place for us. The only one that could take away the sea of glass, um, the division between us and God. The only one worthy. Why? Because he was without sin. The lamb slain, sacrificed for us, for our sins. And that lamb was the ruler over the nations of the earth and he broke the power of sin and satan to sit on the throne and rule forever and ever and ever and ever the lamb of god the centerpiece of heaven and the centerpiece of our existence colossians says that for him everything was created and in him he holds everything together it speaks about the supremacy of christ that that god created us not, not for us, but for him, for Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece of heaven. Jesus is the reason why God created us. It's for his son. 
That's why we live for the glory, not of us, but of the Son. We live for His honor, for His glory, for His purpose. He is the centerpiece of everything. He's seated in the middle of the throne of God. The elders around Him, um, with their white clothes, with their crowns, in the middle of the church. He is seated in the middle of the church. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. It's amazing, amazing thought. And, and He is the centerpiece of all attention. We should turn our attention to Him as well. Um, and then we see this lamb, um, which is interesting, has got seven horns. The, the horns is a, the Hebrew symbol of authority. We see he have, he's, he's got seven eyes, meaning He's got full insight, full wisdom. The, the creatures around the throne of God has a lot of eyes, many eyes. But, but the lamb has got seven eyes, meaning He's got complete, even though it's less, it's complete. It's complete insight, complete, complete wisdom. And then the seven spirits speaks of the fullness of the spirit in him. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, has got full authority. He's got full, he's full of wisdom. He's got complete wisdom, perfect wisdom and insight. And he's filled with the fullness of God through the Holy Spirit. In him is everything and he holds all things together. And then we see that he goes to the throne and he takes the scroll from God. He doesn't wrestle God for the scroll. He doesn't jump and grabs it out of God's hand. But he goes to God and he takes the scroll and he opens the scroll. And at this moment when Jesus is revealed in heaven as the Son of God, as the Lamb of God, as the Lion of Judah. And he takes the scroll. At that moment when he takes the scroll, all of heaven bow down and start to worship him. It's a, it's a worship service all over again. Everyone bows down and they worship Him. And this is what, they, what they're singing. Worthy are you to take the scroll. Okay, you can sing this song to each other after the service in the house. That would be beautiful. I would love to hear that. Please record it and send it to us. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. For every tribe and language and people and nation... Every tribe, every language, every people, all nations, not, not only one group of people, everyone will be included in the people of God. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Wow. They shall reign on the earth. You've made them a kingdom of priests unto, unto our God. And then they sing this. Uh, scripture, Revelation says that it's a new song. It's a new kind of song. Why? Because it's, a, it's a, a song of victory. It's a song of declaration. It's a prophetic song that they're singing about the Lamb of God. That you are worthy. You've been slain. And by your blood you've ransomed the people of God. So the whole of heaven burst out in this worship. Singing unto the Lamb that was slain. He's the centerpiece of heaven. So Revelation 4 and 5, just to sum up, is... Three things. We see the throne of God. We see God seated on the throne. He's got full authority, wisdom, power, and He's ruling. He's not, he laughs at the people that plot in vain against Him. He's in control. He's seated above the seat of authority of Dumas on earth. He's seated in heaven. And from heaven, everything on earth happens. Okay? He, nothing happens that He doesn't allow. That's sometimes a difficult thing for us. 
to, to, to believe. But nothing happens on earth that He doesn't allow. But after He's allowed it, He also comes and He gives us the solution. He says, I'm the solution. Turn your eyes unto Jesus, the Lamb of God. That's the second thing that's important. The Lamb of God, that, that, that the, the church is around the Lamb, around the throne, the 24. We, where is the Lamb? We see in Revelations 1 that He's, he's walking between the seven churches. But now we see in heaven the church is around the Lamb. We are in His presence. We're around Him. He's, he's with us. He's not there, up there, away, far away from us, but He's with us. He's with you. He's in your boat. He's, he's in your situation. He's in your finances. He's in your marriage. He's in your, in your life with you while you're struggling. And He's there with you to help you. And then the third one, He's not only there to help you. He's there so that you can worship Him. He's there so that you can turn your eyes onto Him. Because when you have your eyes locked on the Lamb, you will receive the way of the lion, the power of the lion of God. And all these circumstances will fade away. All these things that takes your attention, that, that um, takes your worship, that steals from you, um, will, be, be, will fade away because your eyes are on the lamb. And then the third thing that this piece showed to us is that Christ is victorious. He's victorious. And because of His victory, we are victorious. And he is the lamb. He's not, it's not the way of the world. It's not fighting. It's not climbing the ladder. It's the way of the lamb. It's laying down your life. And it's the same for us. If you are following Christ, you need to lay down your life. Suffer so that you can have life. Take up your cross. Follow him. Then you will have life. And then you will have it in abundance. It's the, it's the contradiction of the gospel. It's that when we lay down our life, you know, we are used to saying that we should be a better version of ourselves. And I, I'm, I agree with that if we look at it from a gospel perspective. You can be a better version of yourself, not by equipping yourself with a lot of knowledge. You can be a better version of yourself by laying yourself down so that God can work through you in His might, in His power, through your weakness, so that He can show the world His might, His power, His glory, not yours, because the Lamb is seated on the throne, supreme above all, for us to behold and to worship forever and ever and ever. That is what the gospel is all about. It's not about us. It's about Him, the centerpiece of heaven. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, we say thank you, Jesus, that we know today that this world is not about us, but it's about you. That it's preparation for us to join this anthem in heaven to say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lord. You are worthy, not us. Not us. And today, Lord, we want to repent of so many times focusing on our needs, our rights, our things. And we want to turn our attention, Jesus, unto you, the Lamb seated on the throne, worthy of all honor, all glory, all praise. And we know that when we do that, when we lay down our life, when we turn our attention, Lord, that you will come and give us life and life in abundance. But it's not even about you giving us life and life in abundance. It's just about worshiping you. Even if there's no reward. Even if we get slain like the people in 95 after Christ. Even if we are murdered. Even if we are persecuted for our righteousness sake. We will still do it because the Lamb is seated on the throne. The centerpiece of everything he holds all things together. He holds our life together. And we are made, we're made for Him and for His glory. 
and we, we just declare that. And we agree with that. Even though our flesh wants to sort of manifest, we thank you that in our spirits we can loudly say yes and amen. Yes and amen. To everything that you do. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you guys. Bless you. We hope to see you next week again. Have a great week.